Breaking the stigma of addiction. This is Zach's life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both, both inside and outside of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation. Hi, everyone. This is Jim. I'm here today with Sean Church. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing better since you're here today. That's for sure. Ah, you're too kind. <laughs> Sean works at uh, My Time Recovery, and I met him uh, through uh, through working with, uh, with Zach, and so he knew Zach for some time, and uh, we've got to know each other a little bit, and as uh, fate often happens... Um, I think that there were some, uh, I think we had some mutual friends too, some people that you had went to, to, to church with that I yeah. knew and hung out with. And, and again, they speak very highly of you as well. And so it, it's amazing how paths cross and how small of a town Fresno is. Yeah, remind me whoever that was to give them $5 later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> hey, so, uh, so Sean, right now, why don't we start out, why don't you tell us, Tell us a little bit about what you do at, at at my time. Tell us what your what your role and your function is now. Okay, yeah. So uh, so I work at my time recovery. I am a client advocate. So uh, my job is to uh, make sure that clients have everything that they need, whether it's uh, you know helping them uh, fill out uh, disability FMLA, uh, setting up doctor's appointments, getting in contact with families. Um, listening to their needs uh, and also to another part of that job is to kind of be there like in the trenches like if somebody's wanting to leave you know I have 20 years of what not to do underneath my belt so I'm pretty good at sitting down with somebody and explaining to them you know why they need to continue to you know be in treatment you know it's like one thing to like get a client like to rehab Right, but it's another thing to like keep them there in those moments when they feel like they want to leave, and so then that's that's when I come in. Okay, okay. See, and I didn't know exactly what what your role was, but <clears throat> I, I can tell you that 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 people that function in your role were absolutely instrumental uh, when when Zach was in treatment because there were several times that he wanted to leave, and and uh, when he was uh, down in Costa Mesa. Uh, a couple times that he did leave and, and, uh, on, on, on one occasion it was, he was really spiraling, uh, uh, downhill and, and, um, uh, you know, was, was threatening to, uh, to, to jump off of a, a three-story parking structure. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And, and, uh, the, one of the counselors there, I'm sure a person in a similar position as your, she, she went after him and was able to, to locate him and, and literally talk him off of the ledge. Yeah. You know, and then the, the police came and he was, you know, hospitalized again for the evening and then later released back to the facility. And, and that was his longest period of sobriety. He was, he was there 45 days. Yeah. Um, I think, or, or a little more. And, and, uh, but what was, what was great about that experience because of the, because of people like you and your position uh, you know, they helped keep him alive. And, uh, and, and so again, man, I, I have such a great love and admiration for, you know, the things that you guys do for sure. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. Hey, um, you know, we were, we were talking a little, uh, earlier, um, 
today, Sean, and what what I would love to have you do, if you don't mind, is uh, just you know, real briefly, tell us a little bit about your history. You have a story. You, you know, you told me that when you go to AA meetings or NA meetings, you often you'll speak, you'll share your story or whatever. So I want you to feel free uh, to to do uh, to do that today, and then um, you know, I'll just interrupt you whenever I get bored or when I think that <laughs> I need to add something. Nice. Amen. <laughs> you know, what's cool is that I'm wearing my shirt today from, from church and on the back of my shirt, it says, ask me my story, you know? And so they challenged us. They're like, you can give a story in 15 seconds, one minute, three minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, you know, to be ready, you know, in and out of season. So I thought that that was kind of cool. Like I wasn't even thinking about it today because we had set this up a few days ago, you know, but to be wearing the shirt today was, uh, was pretty cool. So, you know, um, so I was born in Berkeley. I was born in Berkeley, California. Uh, I was born in Alta Bates and uh, I lived in the Bay area just for a couple of years. I don't really remember living there. My dad was from the Bay area. My mom was from Minnesota and my mom got a job offer down here in Fresno. And so we moved down here when I was like five and uh, I just remember that my, my home life was really dysfunctional. My dad was an addict, alcoholic. My mom was an alcoholic, and my dad was abusive. You know, he, uh, you know, he abused me and my mom. And, and so my mom divorced him, and uh, so I went to go live with my mom. But my mom was an alcoholic, and so she had a nice job. You know, we lived in uh, uh, Clovis Unified uh, areas. You know, I went to uh, Liberty Elementary uh, Alta Sierra, uh, junior high that I went to Buchanan, you know, but there was a lot of stuff that happened in between that, you know, um, when I was 12, my, my mom tricked me into going to a boot camp in Idaho called Glacier Mountain Academy. And, and I remember when we were flying up there, she said that we were going to go visit some relatives <laughs> that I'd never heard of before. And, and so I better be on my best behavior. And so I was, I was for about 24 hours. I didn't try to steal my mom's cigarettes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so when we get, when we, when we land, we land in Spokane, Washington, and we get in a car and we drive over the, the border to Idaho and we get to a place there and uh, we pull up and there's this huge log cabin and there's a bunch of kids shoveling snow and they all and they're all white so I thought that they were my cousins right I had no clue that that none of these kids were related to me in that and that they were being punished for something they had done how how old how old were you I was 12 so I was I think I was just finishing up my seventh grade year at Alta Sierra you know um I was, uh, I was just really out of control. You know, I was already smoking weed and drinking, you know, I was, I was playing sports, you know, I was on the wrestling team, the volleyball team, the football team, you know, at Alta Sierra, I was kind of like into that, um, party scene, but I was also like really athletic, you know, and I, and I loved sports, you know, I was, I was, I was good at it, you know? And so, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just, uh, it just, it just wasn't good because a lot of things happened to me growing up. You know, I got a lot of pain and trauma, you know, in my life, you know, being, you know, sexually abused as a kid growing up, you know, on uh, three separate occasions, you know, being force fed medications, you know, being diagnosed with uh, uh, Tourette's as a, as a young kid, you know, uh, today's not as bad, but when I was a kid, I had to make these little squeaky noises and I couldn't like I felt like I had to uh, release this tension that was inside of me. And so, you know, people would make fun of me. They would pick on me uh, in school. And I remember I told my mom, I said, Mom, when I go to seventh grade, I don't care. I don't want to be in special ed classes. 
because when I was in elementary school, kids would pick on me. And, and so I just had a lot of issues, man. You know, I was just, you know, I was really hurt and, you know, broken. And so I would, I would act out. I would act out to get my mom's attention, you know, because she didn't pay a whole lot of attention to me growing up. So I found myself in this boot camp, and I was there for about 18 months. Uh, the place ended up getting shut down. The kids were getting their arms broken. Girls were getting pregnant. You know, it was just a really bad place. And uh, I remember when I came home, I ran away for like six months. I ran away from home for like six months. And um, and I went to Buchanan. I went to Buchanan for only like a, only like a semester, maybe, you know. Um, I uh, got on the volleyball team. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't do well because I was using, uh, methamphetamine at that time. I got addicted to methamphetamine, uh, at age 14. When I came back, I was, uh, going back in between my dad's and my mom's and, and my neighbor at my dad's house was doing drugs. And I remember hopping out of my back window and going into his apartment where everybody was partying. And, um, I remember I was doing drugs. And so I got in a fight, got kicked out, went to Gateway, got into a fight, got kicked out, you know, so I just kind of like followed this pattern. I went to like, I think like 12 different high schools, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, Dude, that's, that, 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 that's a lot. And, and, and let me just say, I'm, I'm sitting here kind of just surprised, not, not surprised and blown away that that's your story because we all have a, we all have a story. Right. But I mean, you know, I've known you for a couple of years now and like, you know, we just chatted for half an hour or so before and none of this did we did we talk about. So if I'm sitting here looking surprised, I'm just looking I'm just surprised. And it, you know, I, I think I think here's an important thing to to realize because you know, when you said that you live not far from where I live now. Yeah. You know, when you when you grew up and I think that's one of the things that's you know, that's paramount in our foundation about breaking the stigma of addiction. And part of that is being open enough to understand um, how commonplace, right? Before before anything happened to Zach, there's not a single one of my friends of, of dinner associates that I would go out to dinner with or that my wife and I would visit with that ever talked about substance use issues in their family. Hmm. Not a single one. As soon as Zach passed, as soon as we were open and we said, gosh, we have a problem with ours. Cause we, no one even knew even once Zach was in treatment, we didn't tell anybody. We still didn't make it common knowledge. We were still embarrassed, ashamed or all, all of these things that go with it. As soon as he passed, all of a sudden, everyone that I talked to said, Oh, you know, I've got somebody. I mean, everyone has a story, right? That's that's connected everywhere. So what I, I think I think what's so interesting about about what you're seeing, yours is is certainly more dramatic than most and and more more intense, right? Because it was you didn't really have a safe place. It sounds like your dad's house was messed up, your mom's house was messed up, right? Everywhere, you know, your early childhood growing up you know, had, had challenges associated with it. Uh, and I think that's, what's interesting though. You lived in the same neighborhood that we live in, in the same area. Every house looks the same on the outside, 
but we don't know what's going on on the inside. Yeah, you never know, you know, like, you know, again, just like you said, on the outside, everything looks great. You know, my mom goes to work. She has a, a really good job. You know, we move into, um, you know, this 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 part of town when it first was developed. You know, everything looks great, you know, and like we're trained to like portray that everything is is great because you don't want people knowing like your business, you know, and and because of that, though, like we become suffocated. And for those of us who struggle with this disease, you know, the combination of that is, you know, can be deadly, you know, if, if at the very least, you know, tons of trauma. Right, right. And, and, and then just the iso- and just the isolation. Right. I mean, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that experience the things that, that you may have experienced and they didn't they didn't become addicted. But the mental health issues became overwhelming and the depression and the and the just fill in the blank. It just kept continuing to grow and to grow because, again, it was still you still isolate. You don't want people to know how bad things are. You're sure that you are the only one. Right. And I guess that's what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing when I hear your story is I, that that I realize once again you know, you weren't the only one Yeah, that was there. There were, there were other people, yours, uh, maybe took a little different, you know, had, had, a, had a little different colors to it than, than somebody else, but yet still no one was, no one was talking. No one was talking about it. No one was discussing that. I'm sure there were some times that you felt there wasn't even a place you could get any help for. Well, imagine this after you, you know, the only help you get is to, take you and lock you up in a boot camp where it yeah. le- sounds like there was as much abuse. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it was too. And plus anyway, like the people that were supposed to be in charge of me, you know, whether it was, you know, uh, the school system or was it, you know, a babysitter or, or this program, you know, the people that, you know, are supposed to, you know, be an authority over me, uh, abuse that authority. So I grew up, you know, not trusting anybody, like nobody was trustworthy, you know, not even my own parents, you know, and so then that caused me to like isolate myself even more and then push myself into this, this, this answer that I found in drugs and alcohol because it took all the feelings away. It made me feel normal or it, or it just numbed me, you know? And, and, and so I found like, I found like my answer, you know, it, it was like what I wanted, like my whole life, it just felt like a big hug you know, the drugs and alcohol in my life. And so I just kind of threw myself into that. See, and, and that's where I think, uh, Sean, I think that's where people who don't, who don't use, who don't have uh, firsthand knowledge of that, they, they can't even contemplate, well, how would, when, 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 when someone begins to see that drugs and alcohol are destructive in their life, why would you keep doing it? Well, but in your mind, not only were they not destructive, they were your savior. Yeah. They brought you some peace. Yeah, peace and comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Some under like you said, it's like like a like a like a big hug. Yeah. And 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 I'm guessing, and I don't know this, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing the consequences even that you were experiencing from it weren't near as bad as what the reality 
of it was without it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like the consequences had nothing compared to the feelings that I got while I was under the influence. And the consequences also that I was experiencing in the immediate were nothing compared to the trauma that I had already been experiencing up until that point anyway. Because by the time I was 12 years old, I had already been sexually abused on three separate occasions. You know, I had seen my dad physically abuse my mom. I'd been physically abused as well. You know, like both parents struggling with addiction. So like getting a consequence or like getting kicked out of school or, you know, going to juvenile hall as a kid, I was just like, that's nothing. Right. 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 Wow. Well, again, that, that, I think that just, that, that's an awareness that lifts the veil off. It brings perspective, uh, to, you know, to a whole lot. Cause I think, I think sometimes when as, as a parent before Zach had his issues and we would hear about some kid that had some problems. You know, I think our response real easily is to blame the parents, blame the kid. He's just out of control. It's all, you know, like somehow an 11, 12 or 13 year old, it could all be their fault. Right. Right. Like someone, yeah, <laughs> someone could mastermind, yeah. Yeah. you know, you know th- that much dysfunction, uh, you know, in 13 years in, into their own, into their own lifestyle. And I can say as a, as a, as a, a teacher for a time in the Clovis Unified system too, it, it certainly seemed to me as a parent and as a teacher in the system that the district was very happy a lot of the times to take the problems and move them. We'll move them to gateway. We'll take them even out of then when the problems are too big there, we'll take them someplace else. Yeah. Rather than seeking to find a solution or or an answer, or you—you uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, if 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 someone, well, anyway, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. I, I just think I—I <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah, because Clovis has this this prestige to it, right? Yeah, you know, like yeah. we're really good in athletics. You know, we're really good with you know creating you know smart students that go on to you know, these universities, you know, we can't have anything, you know, tainting, you know, like our image. But what's happening is, is that they're slowly killing, you know, the children that are, that are going there, especially nowadays, you know, drugs are never good, right? I'm 36 years old back then. But like, so like when I was doing drugs, we didn't have fentanyl, thank God. Otherwise I wouldn't be here right now. So nowadays the drugs are so potent that, that, that it is, it is, it is, is paramount that 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 the school systems and the public you know uh, uh um you know uh, businesses and 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 all these places are are, are are talking about you know fentanyl or 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 trying to educate the kids you know or or, or bringing it out into the light and, and creating some type of infrastructure to where the that 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 they can treat the problem instead of sweeping things under the rug because i'll tell you what in the last since since Zach passing away, I've probably had about another fifteen clients die. Oh my gosh! I had no, I had no idea that it had been that many. Yeah, fifteen clients that um, that have uh, you know came through, left. Went that's to almost a, that's almost you know, one that's almost one a month. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, I don't know. I never knew I was going to be working in the treatment. Um, uh, Field. Uh, all I knew is when I got out of my program, I just wanted to be sober, 
you know, I, I kind of happen to like fall into this job and I've been there three years now and I, and I love my job. Don't get me wrong, but I never knew that I was going to be in such close contact with people, you know, like I was with Zach, you know, I, I remember every morning he would, he would walk into the office and he would have his hoodie on. And that's when you knew he wasn't having such a good day. And I was in my little office and when he would walk by, I'd be like, Zach, and he'd look back at me and I'd be like, I love you, bro. And he'd be like, I love you too. I'd be like, okay. And he'd have a smile on his face, you know, and, um, you know, you can't help, but, you know, uh, get a, you know, get attached to these kids, you know, like I understand that we're professionals and, you know, clinically and ethically and all that other stuff, you know, but like, dude, like I'm an addict, man. You know, I go to meetings, I have a sponsor, you know, I work the steps, you know, i you know, I believe that addiction starts and ends in pain. And, and the last thing I want is to see somebody else going through that same pain. And if I could rip my chest open and show these people what it's like, if they could just hang on, it would, you know, but it doesn't work like that. But what I can do is I can walk with them every step of the way, you know, until they figure it out for themselves. It's just that, you know, some of them don't make it. Yeah. You know? So it's not okay for places to just be sweeping things underneath the rug or putting them somewhere else because it's not like it used to be anymore. You know, it's like, it's like they don't even want you to become addicted. They just want you to die because you can take one thing and you don't even know. And the next thing you know, it's like you're gone and you get these kids, 18, 19, 20 years old. And like when I was that age, I felt like I was invincible. Like I could do anything. Nothing could stop me. You know, no talk, no nothing, you know, but it's not like that today. Sean, I can't even tell you when, when, when Zach was in the height of his addiction, I, st and again, I still didn't understand the, the power. I, I was still thinking of, of drugs imparting the way that they were when I was in high school. And, and like you say, it's a different, it's a different landscape now. Like it's evil. It's almost. it's completely it's it's just completely different, and uh, and so I think there were times when in my mind where I would say, well, you know, dude, uh, I had I had all kinds of friends in high school that smoked weed all the time, or I smoked weed in college all the time, or you know what, it's not a big deal. You know, I'm it, I say it's not a big deal. It, you know, again, tons of friends of mine that partied their whole life, and you know, they grow up. I don't. I didn't have anyone that I knew that had died, right? In high school or or or, or in my twenties because of drug use. Not not a not a single person, right? I didn't think I knew anyone that had OD'd, you know, and that just wasn't there. And so, I think when 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 Zach got involved, I think I. I really, one, I didn't want to believe it was happening, but two, I downplayed the severity of 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 what it was, and and that's just where we're at now. We're at a, we're in a different, we're just in a different era. Yeah, yeah. The parents are comparing it to like how they were, you know, back in the day, you know, because a lot of people aren't like educated on like the pandemics that are going on. You know, like COVID nineteen is killing a lot of people, but so is the opioid pandemic. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that there's people, you know, overdosing like every day. People are dying every day, you know, from this disease. 
you know, and, um, so, so let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. Sean, tell me about where, so, so that was, I mean, that, that was your childhood that got you to, to a point where you said in, in 13 years of addiction, we don't need to go through all that, but now, so let's, let's step now to the end of that time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so, so tell us about, tell, tell us about your sobriety and then tell us about where, where life is now for you and, 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 and what, what's happening now in your, in your future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, my recovery started when I was having another 10 years of prison hang over my head. <laughs> I found myself back in county jail looking at another 10 years in prison. I had done, you know, done prison time and programs, you know, growing up uh, afterward. Um, and so I found myself back in jail looking at another 10 years in prison or I could go to this program. And so I picked the program. And while I was there, my second day I was there. You know, I just hit my knees and I cried out to God and and I prayed and I was like, God, I don't know if you're real, but I need you to be real. Because if you're not real, then I'm going to go through this program. I'm going to get out. I'm going to do good, but I'm going to fall again. And I'm tired and I'm tired of hurting and I'm tired of hurting the people that I love. Help me. You know, I feel like in that moment, you know, like, you know, like it wasn't crazy. I didn't have like any hallucinations or nothing popped up. But but what I did feel like was like all the big fight was taken out of me because what I've realized, you know, working in treatment is that the drugs and alcohol are just a symptom of a bigger problem is that I got a meat problem is that I don't know how to live life. I don't know how to function. I don't know, you know, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know how to express my feelings. I have anger issues. I have anxiety. I have mental health. Um, I don't know how to communicate. I'm terrible at setting boundaries you know, all these things, you know, and so going through that program, uh, God used Teen Challenge to uh, to really give me a year to kind of work on myself and allow him to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And then getting out of that program, uh, having a, a year of sobriety, which had been the longest that I'd ever been sober in my entire life, uh, a, a pastor of a church had been following my progress, and he asked me to come on and be a youth pastor and, and uh, uh, scholarship me to go through Bible school. So I did that. I was a youth pastor for a couple of years, but during that time, that's where I met Scotty at my time, and I met him at this thing called a recovery summit as a student, which is pretty cool because this last because of this year they did another recovery summit and, and instead of being a student in a in a program I was one of the speakers this time and I wow. got to speak there this year so it was almost like full circle kind of like how my life is like completely shifted you know and that's why I really want to get into like the solution you know it's like people can talk about you know their past and their war stories and all that stuff and that's great yeah I got a million of them too I had somebody tell me hey you should write a book one day and maybe I will I don't know but what I can tell you is is that people need a solution right because there's so much darkness there's so much despair and hopelessness out there it's like okay well how do I get sober well well for me it was like it was like surrender it was like almost doing the opposite of what my brain wanted me to do it was like that sitcom Seinfeld right it was called the Costanza theory right you know where that dude George right like everything he does just turns to ashes and one day he decides to do the opposite of what his brain tells him to do and he gets the job and he gets the girl and he does all this stuff and so that's what my disease is it's it's called the Costanza theory like my first 
first thought or my first 10 thoughts are usually wrong, you know? And so, and so looking at it from, from a perspective is that I don't necessarily have a drug and alcohol problem as to say, as I have a me problem, you know, and it's the way I think and it's the way how I engage with the world and it's how I create chaos and stress into my life, which eventually leads me into stressful situations, which in turn leads my mind to go back to like, okay, I know how to not feel this. I remember back when I was so-and-so, you know, age and, 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 and I know how to not feel. And so what I got to do is, is, is I got to, I got to change my perspective on, on life. You know, they talk about that. It's a simple program for complicated people. And that, and that, and that was me. And, 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 and even today I'm still, you know, a bit complicated, you know, (laughs) but, but my mistakes today are a lot different than they were, you know, back when I first started. So, so I think, um, so like going through that program, getting out, working at my time, moving my way up in the company from a part-time support driver to a case manager, to a counselor, uh, to being a client advocate has really helped you know, with my self self-worth, you know, cause like sure. four and a half years ago, I was, I was homeless in a stolen car with a needle in my arm. And today, like if somebody would have told me four years ago that this is what my life was going to look like now, I probably would have robbed them. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. That's where my mind was at, you know, but today I have a wife, I have, you know, I have a daughter, my first child that she's never going to have to know her mom or dad drunk or loaded. You know, we're both in recovery. We both have sponsors. We both work the steps. You know, we sponsor other people. You know, I just got done doing a therapy session today with my therapist. You know, we go to marriage counseling, even though nothing crazy's happened in our lives. It's just that every... You're just doing the right thing. Just doing, yeah, just just doing the right thing. Because because what I found out and, and what I hold to be true is that in order to keep the things that I want in my life constant, right? Which means not coming in and out of my life. I have to do some things that I don't necessarily want to do. And when I say don't want to do, I'm talking about like what my disease doesn't want me to do, you know, like stay connected, have a group of men in my life that can call me out on my crap. If I start to like, start thinking funny, you know, um, you know, going to meetings, you know, you know, meeting with somebody and helping them work through the steps, taking time out of, out of my day to be of service to somebody else. You know, these are all these things in my life that I do that I've incorporated into my life that help me, help me to have a daily reprieve from uh, drugs and alcohol so that I can be the best version of myself so that I can be a father you know, uh, a husband, a son, a good employee. And I can be all these things that I never thought I was going to be able to do back in my addiction. You know, I was completely hopeless and lost in my addiction. It was so lonely, you know, but today I have connection today. I have friends, actual friends that I can call if I need something, you know, I've re you know, kindled my relationship with my mom. My mom's in recovery. Now my dad's in recovery. So I got four and a half years my mom's coming up on four years. My dad's coming up on three years. So all three of us, yeah. So all three of us are in recovery now, you know, like it's, it's been a complete, you know, 180 change from like the way how dysfunctional our family was to like where we are now, you know, that that's, that's amazing. Yeah. 
uh, that's got to be just such a uh, an overwhelming feeling of of joy when you think about when you think about that. I'm sure there's still some feelings that are all confused in there too. Uh, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to oversimplify. Yeah, simple's things. good though. Yeah, <laughs> I like simple. You know, I've been very complicated most of my life. Today, I like I like simple. All right. Yeah, man, that is that is just uh, that's exciting. Well, and it, and it, you had talked about how complicated things were before, and then you, you know you mentioned you mentioned your your new daughter. How old is she? She's gonna be uh, four months. Oh man, my wife's gonna kill me either Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> So, I think it's I think it's Wednesday. So, dude, you're, you're just you're just gonna get to no complication. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's beautiful, and she is just perfect. You know, she. Uh, um, everybody says that that she looks just like me. You know, um, does she oh, have does she have all the tattoos too? No, <laughs> she does not have the tattoos, nor will she ever. And if she does look like me, I pray that she grows out of it. You know, I want her to look look like her mom. I don't want her looking like me because I'm a little rough. You know, what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, oh, that's 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 good stuff. Well, so so t- tell me about some of the work that that you're doing in, in with with the church because I know that that's a big part of you know you mentioned the T-shirt that you have and about telling your story and, and, uh, th- tell me, tell me a little bit about that and, and what that looks like. Yeah. So, um, me and my wife were searching, uh, for, for a church to be a part of Uh long story with, with, with my last one, you know, being a youth pastor. And, um, so we were looking for something new. And so we found this church right up the street from where my mom lives. I, I've been there before, but I just thought that I would just go there and uh, take a look. And then like one of the first people I see is like, you know, this guy like me, big beard, tattooed up, you know, sees me. Right. And so instantly like he comes up to me, he goes, Hey, what's your name? Blah, blah, blah. So come to find out this guy had also graduated a program called teen challenge, but up in Oakland. So I graduated the one here in Reilly, and he was the online pastor for this, for this church called Clovis Hills. So anyway, so like this church is uh, uh, like very missional movement, like like they're church planners. And so what they're doing is they're actually planning a church in this part of town off of uh, Tulare and C Street. And they promoted my buddy to being a campus pastor of, of it. So when we launch in the, uh, in January, I'm going to go over there and help him with that and, 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 and try to, you know, get everything set up. We've already been in the community once a month. We go there. I think we passed out over a thousand shoes a couple months ago. Jerry Dyer was there, you know, helping out, you know, this uh, October uh, we did a, we did like a trunk or treat with like low riders and motorcycles and, you know, it was pretty cool. And, uh, but what, but, but what I'm excited about coming up is that, um, uh, uh the celebrate recovery thing, my buddy, pastor Todd is, uh, asking me to kind of come on board and, uh, you know, and, and, and take a look at and seeing if this is something that, that I, that I want to do, you know, like my biggest thing is right. Is that, so like, I'm not religious, you know, I believe that religion is like a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and do nots. And, and, and what I like about this church is that is that I feel like like this is like 
you know, like the gospel, you know, Jesus said he came for the sick, not for the will. And I'm sick. You know what I'm saying? Like I am sick. And that's why I do a lot of things. That's why I have a little bit of everything. That's why I go to AA. That's why I go to NA. That's why I'm a do CR. That's why I go to therapy. That's why I go to marriage counseling. That's why I work in treatment. You know, that's why, you know, I do all these things is, is, is because, you know, my life was just very, very, um, painful. You know, there's a saying that, says that those have been forgiven much love much and that's me today you know I was very selfish in my addiction and today you know I feel like God's called me to like be a servant and that's what I do is that I serve other people you know and 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 so I need to get fed too you know so I go to therapy you know and you know and I need to check myself so I have a sponsor you know like you know I just um I just want to be able to help people um, walk through whatever they've gone through in their lives to let them know like, Hey, look, there is hope, you know? And that's why people tell their stories, you know, so that you can hear something that maybe you can relate to and you can be like, man, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, cause that's the whole point, you know, it, it is making sense out of the chaoticness in our lives. Dude, I got to say after, after hearing your, your story today, cause I didn't know the whole thing. And I know I still don't know all the, we, we missed, about about 13 15 years of it in there <laughs> but tell you what you're the poster child for hope yeah thanks <laughs> you yeah. know I, I mean to to hear about about your your early childhood and then to to see you today and see who you are today to know how much you love to know how much you give to know how much you cared about Zach You've had an, an incredible amount of success so far that, uh, you know, you may see it as success or you may not even see it as your success, you know, and and that's okay. You, you, you know, you don't need to. You need to work things the way that you need to work them, right? But but I'm just telling you there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that have known you a lot in your past and they see it all, yeah. right? And so that's just a, that's a, that's just a, it's, it's just a beautiful beautiful thing man and that's a uh, boy you know that that uh i think that that hope and that that kind of you know is is a the the great thing about about recovery uh is that while while recovery is a is a process uh it has a whole bunch of wins along the way absolutely it does Right, yeah. it has a whole bunch of wins along the way, and uh, I'm getting to share one of those, you know, with with you with you right now. It, I, I I also it's it's not it's not lost on me that you know that with with the mission of our foundation and and wanting to bring awareness and eliminate the stigma of addiction and and all of that. Realizing, it, I think there's a message that somehow I want parents to get that are out there if they're looking at their own family or looking at at families that are close to them not everything may seem or appear like it does from the front of the house to to take a moment and glimpse inside there there may be someone that we can that we can reach out to that we can bring uh, some hope to that's in a you know that's that's in a situation that we may never even 
that we may never even you know be able to uh, imagine or to understand. You know, uh, Sean, as we as we close today, I, I want to give you an opportunity, like I do all my guests, if 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 you want to say something specific to uh, some some families that are listening today, if if there's a message that you could leave them with today, what would it be? Um, so I would say probably the biggest thing for me, uh, especially growing up in this part of town would be, um, compromising the way you look on the outside today is too dangerous to not speak up. If you have somebody struggling, uh, with drugs or alcohol, you know, like it's not like, it's not worth it, you know, like reach out, you know, you know, find something, talk to somebody, you know, um, like, I don't know, like, like, like I wish, I wish that I wish my parents, you know, really understood the depth of what was going on with me because like you said earlier, like, you know, they compared like what they were doing you know, um, you, you know, just like alcohol and, and weed and not, it's that just alcohol and weed, but you know, like, you know, like with the drugs that I was doing, you know, even though it wasn't fentanyl, you know, I was still messing around with pretty hard, hardcore drugs, you know, is, is that, is that there is like, it's not taboo anymore, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, it's not taboo to like be a family that, 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 have somebody suffering from either mental health or the disease of addiction. You know, I see people coming into our program. You know, I get, I get teachers, I get correctional officers, I get lawyers, I get nurses, you know? Yeah. You know, I get the 19 year old kids on their parents' insurance too, you know, but there's like, there's this whole range of, of people, you know, and, and you don't have to look at it as a, uh, you know, the person on the corner talking to themselves dirty as somebody who struggles with addiction, you know, um, Nobody looking at Zach would have known. Right. You know, beautiful kid, blonde hair, blue eyes, just the most amazing smile. You know, nobody would have known that that's what he was struggling with on the outside. You know, and 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 like I said earlier, the the drugs out there now are so deadly that all you have to do is just take one pill or do one line or take one hit. Because everything is being laced with fentanyl. It doesn't matter what it is, uppers, downers, you know, whatever. They're 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 mixing it in alcohol, they're doing everything, you know, just so people can become addicted. You know, so like my thing to like the families would be like, it's not it's not taboo anymore. Speak up. It's okay. There's so many people out there that you don't even know that that are gonna have your back on that, you know, that you have a whole team of people just waiting to just put their arms around you and help you walk through uh, every step of the way, whether you are a loved one who's uh, uh, seeing somebody go through addiction or, or, or whether you're the addict themselves, is that you have a forever family waiting for you on this side if all you can do is just reach out and ask for help. Dude, that's wonderful. Thank you. Sean, thank you so much for coming today and for sharing for sharing your story and sharing y- y- your life with us and those words of hope and, and those words of encouragement. Like I always say, find someone, tell them that you love them. This is Zach's dad. This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. 
If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at zacharyhortonfoundation.org.